listen, choosing to make the change. And sometimes it takes listening to us a year or two or even three years. But Baruch Hashem, we are getting feedback that when I said this program was just for awareness only, I could now say, Baruch Hashem, it's for awareness and with Siata Deshmaya to have the change as well. The number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions or your comments. Two, or sometimes if we don't get the callers, the number to send your text is 347-927-8398. That's 347-927-8398. And again, please be aware that we'll be taking callers, that means voice callers, over the text, because with that, when we work the process with someone, it is so much more potent and has so much more power. All right, Rav Nissen. Do we have any callers? Yeah, we we have right now Miss Miss S from UK. Miss S from UK, you're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Hello. Yes, hello. First of all, thank you so much for your programs. They're really interesting, and I really gain from that. Thank you. It's an honor. What is the definition of inattention? What is the cause of it? And in what way can one get rid of it? Well, there's, I think, if you can, uh, if I can clarify, your question is probably about attention deficit hyperactive disorder, inattention, or just inattention? They're very different. They're just inattention. Inattention is very simple. All inattention means is I'm not able to pay attention. And inattention is normal. Everyone has inattention all the time. When I say all the time, I mean it happens many times during the day, not all the time. So right now, when you are listening to the question that we're doing, you're being inattentive. You are not paying attention to probably the watch or the clock in your room. You're probably not paying no. attention no, to uh, different... No, not as inattention. That's been the... Inner tension. Tension that is inside. Oh, inner tension. I'm sorry. I didn't get that. Yeah. Okay, so can you ask your question again? Okay, what is the definition of inner tension? What is the cause of it? And like, in what way can one get rid of it? Okay. So again, this will be a pretty good question to start building together. I'm so glad you called it up. Let's realize. What, what do you want to say? I don't have nothing. This is different. This English for you, <laughs> for me. Okay. So inner tension just means that a person is tense on the inside. That means on the outside they might appear calm, they might appear relaxed, but inside they might. There actually can be tense. And the way we can recognize if someone is really tense is sometimes by their outward behavior means if a person is very tense on the inside, also the baby's crying in the background, they could yell or they could get frustrated. A person can act calm, but all of a sudden the kids make noise, all of a sudden they yell and they scream. It can be that someone just made a simple classic mistake, water spilled on the table, and all of a sudden they're yelling and they're shouting. Could be someone in business, that normal business situations that arise come up and all of a sudden they're yelling and they're nervous and they're tense. 
This is one some of the signs of inner tension. So when a person is calm on the inside, life situations can happen. And the Rabbi Shalom sends every one of us life situations every day. So if you have the inner calmness, then those issues will not be affecting you. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Now, what was the second question? You asked what causes it, correct? Right. There are many, many different points that can cause it. So let's start with a simple everyday life. That means, contrary to the way the world thinks, every one of us has tension, but people that are calm do not bury, do not ignore their tension. They actually have skills how to process that tension. So let's give a classic example of a house. A house, every single human house that has people living there will be getting dirty. That means just by living there, being there, taking a cup, drinking, something will spill, cooking, warming anything up, or even if you don't do anything, just being in the house, dust will collect. Is that correct? Correct. That means that in order to remain calm, or let's take it, in order for the house to remain clean, it takes an active energy of doing something to calm the house, to keep the house clean. Correct? Right. Now, what happens if someone is missing the basic skills on how to clean the house? That means they don't have, let's say, garbage bags, so the, the, the house is getting dirty, and they don't know where to put the garbage. Let's say they don't have, I don't know what you use in England, but over here in America we use Kleenex. And it's one of the sprays, let's say, to clean the the glass or spray, the, the basic stuff that can get dirty, or whatever, whatever other chemicals you use. So now you, so you're taking out the garbage bag, you've got the Kleenex, and you're cleaning. So in order to have an inner calmness, it does not mean that problems don't arise. What it means is that you have the skills how to keep yourself calm, how to balance, how to clean up the negative, the garbage that comes up. And everyone, if you're alive, will have many of them. That is one of the most basic common ways. The other ways that people can have tension is a huge amount of perfectionist and control. So when we have the workshop called Stress to Inner Peace, that means people that are stressed, because every day, every human being will have stress in their life. It's a given in life. But if you know how to process them, deal with them, and one of the big issues that we discussed here are perfectionists, so we expect everything to go out, go our way. We have a higher expectation of what life should be. We have a certain belief that there, certain things have to go a certain way. So if we have that perfectionist theory, or if we have competition where we expect we've got to be at certain places, that is another basic everyday way that every normal healthy person, if you don't learn how to process and deal with that perfectionist beliefs, then automatically it's guaranteed for stress to develop into anxiety or to inner tension, which then will explode into something a lot more than that. Do those make sense so far? Yeah. So now we understand what inner tension is. It means on the outside we cover up how nervous we are, but on the inside we're exploding. So 
some of the ways that we discussed that it happens is the second point that we just discussed is perfectionist and expecting, um, let's say, expecting certain things a certain way, controlling where outcomes should go. And the first one that we discussed is about not having the skills, just how to deal and how to process normal stress. So, Abnissa, let me ask you, do you ever have difficulties at work? <laughs> what a question, yes, definitely. Exactly. Now, what's the difference between you and someone else, where someone else, let's say, in construction that you do, that those people might be screaming, and you stay calm and easy and balanced? Basically trying to start from, uh, I would say, we, we're starting to build with, uh, with one brick. And that's the step. That's right. Oh, it, you know, you're starting, let's say, if you have a dirty uh, place, you start with a corner. We start that's with right. something, you know. Start uh, by doing something. I tell you some story that happened to me yesterday. Somebody approached me about education. It's not not Jewish person. And he told me that he has the big problem with his children. He doesn't know where to send the kids because the schools districts are very bad. And I told him, you know, listen, either you move a uh, house or just build your own system. And you can do it. And I think that's that's what happened. The Jewish community do it, did it all over the places. We we st we we didn't have any radio. We started radio. It's something that everybody can do it. But start from something. And how the Chinese say 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 the the wall of China started with one brick. Yeah, interesting. Great. Great. And what was the third part to your question? And then we're going to go. We've got some other people on the line. What was the third part to your question? What way can one get, get rid of it, right? And we got the answer. Okay. Correct? Right. Yes, does that answer now how you get rid of it? Right. Hello. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Excellent. So what we are going to do now is we are going to our with Mr. Y. Hello, Mr. Y. Hello? Yes. Yeah, I, um, I just came on the air, so I'm not really sure what you were talking about up until now. But I was sure. wondering um, if the fidget spinners are good for ADHD, or what's your, what's your opinion on that? It's cute. We addressed this, I think, last week or two weeks ago, but it's always good to bring it up again, so that's okay. Fidget spinners officially were meant to help ADHD, and the reason why is very simple. Attention deficit hyperactive disorder means that the mind is working all over the place, and when the mind is, for those that have the behavioral issue, means that it's not just the inattentive, it's the hyperactive component, they move their body, they're able to remain more focused. Now, what okay. happens is sometimes if a kid's in a class and they're ADHD, the hyperactive part, if they're in back of the class and they can walk or stand up when they need and then sit down, they'll, even, they'll be able to focus more. So in theory, if they would have something to move their hands, like fidget spinners, while they are studying or while they're listening to class, in theory, they would be able to focus, correct? That's the theoretical. Doesn't that make sense theoretically? Yeah, it does. 
Um, now, here's the negative. From reality, what? I find that it doesn't work. Reality, I've had a couple of clients in my office with a fidget spinner, and what happens is it becomes a game. So if they just stand up or they walk, but they're focusing on the Rebbe or the teacher, then they're able to focus. But when they have the fidget spinner, they start spinning it. They start seeing how long it's going to spin. They might try to turn it upside down. Some even try balancing it on their nose. And what happens is not, it's not anymore just something that gives a little stimulus. It's giving them too much stimulants. Now they're starting to focus too much on it, and instead of helping to focus, I find it disturbs their focus. Besides for the point that for other kids around, that when the kid gets up, they might not notice, but when you start hearing the fidget spinner buzzing, or as usually happens with fidget spinners, every third time you do it, it falls out of your hand and now it makes noise in class, you're going to be disturbing more students with that fidget spinner than any other toy in the class Besides for the fact that it's going to be very hard for the Rebbe or the teacher to focus when you've got that noise and someone moving their hands back and forth, their fingers. So in reality, I find it a much greater detriment, I should say, a much greater uh, deterrent to studying than the benefit that they claim it will. That's just my, my opinion. Thank you so much. I really love your show. What do you say? Hold on. Let me hear your thoughts. What do you say to what I just said? Does that make sense? Does it not make sense? I agree. Uh, I definitely agree if it's going to be disturbing everyone else, but I was wondering if, let's say, we can do it in a way that it's not disturbing everyone else. Well, first let's be... go back. Okay, so that's one part. Now let's go to the kid themselves. Have you played with the fidget spinner? I find them so addictive, by the way. I'm saying me, myself, when I have it, I find it that addictive. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, have you I have found a few yourself ever being able to focus more when you have it, or do you find it more distracting? I don't know about focus, but it definitely keeps could keep you in a seat for longer. Good, but that's not what it's meant to do. It's not meant to keep you in your seat. It's meant to keep you focusing, that you will do better in class. Uh-huh. I'm not really sure. My Rebbe doesn't let it in class. Ah. All right, but what about when you're at home and you're playing with a fidget spinner? Are you able to focus more or are you able to focus less? I think I'm focusing more on, on the fidget spinner itself. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree with That's you. That's it. That's it. So I understand you, and I happen to love it. I think it's a great game. I think everyone selling it should have a great time selling it, playing with it. I love the competitions. I love hearing how they play around with it. I love it. But is it helping ADHD? Will it help a class? I find it the other way around. Right. Okay, thank you so much for taking my call. Certainly, my no pleasure. Problem. I 100% I agree with this because it's really addictive and uh, something that... Uh, I like to play with this, but you know, you're always trying to do to find the new tricks, and basically you disconnect yourself from the environment. <laughs> you you right. focus on the on the bearing, and which which part of the body you can put it and try to play with this again and again. That's right, and then the throwing the up and down yes. and all that stuff, catching it one finger to the next. It's great, but it's actually causing disturbances. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay, great yeah. question. <laughs> yes. Okay. And for everyone, just to know the number to call up is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858.
683-5858. We'll go to... And we look forward to taking your questions and your comments, so please call again. Miss C. Miss C, you're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Hi, is it me? Yes. Yep, it's you. Hi. Um, first thing, I want to thank you very much for this line. It's wonderful. I listen to it all the time. Um, also, your book, I, I, I'm starting to read it now, and it, it's really great. I think I'm, I'm Morta. Ah, really I can nice relate to, to that. Yeah. Um, it's really it's really amazing for me to see, like, explaining my nature. Thank you. Really that is so nice so to hear. Um, I want to ask a question concerning trichotillomania. Sure. So let's tell everyone what that fancy word means. That is someone that pulls their hair out, let's say, out of stress. So it could be the eyebrows, could be the hair, and the men could be the beard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a friend. She isn't diagnosed with trichotillomania, but I have this very strong feeling that she has it. Um, I'm pretty sure she has it. Um, her parents don't seem to think she needs help, and I, I'm aware that I'm, I'm very possibly in a codependent relationship with her, and that you know, I, with the help of this program, I've set boundaries, and I, I, I don't let her talk to me about her issues anymore. But I'm just wow, wondering. Wow! Thank parents, you, by the way. Hold on, hold on. That is a massive, major positive, and I just want to be able to absorb it a minute. So what you're saying is that you have a friend that, in your opinion, might have some bigger issues than you can handle. She used to speak to you about it a lot, and now you're able to say only up to so far. Now, I'm willing to have a friendship relationship with you, but not a role where I become your therapist or where you share with me information that's too much for me to handle because then it will affect you. And that's called self-care, and that's called boundaries. And Wow, to be able to do that... And just to get some of the information from this line, for me to be part of this, is so powerful. Yeah, actually, she's not the only girl I've done it with. I've had, yeah, I've, I'm being I'm water by nature. I had other friends that also do it to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm setting boundaries now. Wow, so thank you beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, her parents don't seem to think she needs help. She refuses to go for therapy. Um, and I'm, I'm worried because it's been for a long time already, and she doesn't allow her eyebrows to grow back. It's really serious. Right. Um, I'm wondering, is there anything else she can do other than therapy, or is therapy the only Of course. Way? Of course. And I'm going to tell you something that I've said it uh, like two weeks ago, and so many people like gave me so many positive messages. That I was uh, almost surprised that it's something so simple, but yet we forget. And that is tefillah. I daven for my clients every day. I say a capital to Hillam every day. And pretty recently, I've started learning that it should be a schos every day. It should be a schos that we should be the right shliach and that those that we can't be the right shliach. Or some sessions, it's not that good. But the tefillah and the, and the learning Torah should be a schos. And the Rabbi Islam is running the world at his level. So... Now that we got the theory, what else you can do? So do you think you could say a capital to Hillam every day for your friend? I don't say all the time. I do. Excellent. So now let's stop a second. Now let's go to the next level of your growth. Okay? Um, can I ask you something? It's, it's not only about me. I want to know what she can do as well. I know, but you're asking a question that's out of our power. So for all you teenagers, how about you can recognize this? So let me ask you something. What experience do you know how to build a house? None. 
None. So now I've got a, something to tell you. Rob Nissen is an amazing builder. Can you will your friend as Trichotillomania to have Rob Nissen build her house in England? Um, can you I do can that? Try what? No, okay, I guess no. That's right. Why? Why can't you? I can't make anyone do anything. That's right. But what can you do? You can do changes within yourself, and we have the power to dive into Hashem, to a higher power, which He could make things happen. And when we dive into Hashem, it doesn't mean we think that we force Hashem to do what we want. It's that we dive in for what we like and say, Rabbi Nishleilam, you are the ultimate ruler. You are the Melech Malcham. What you want will happen is going to be the end result. Do you realize how now we let go? Is that what you're going to tell me? You're not going to tell me anything else? Whoa, I, I just feel you just shot me down over here. I'm, I'm not sorry, sure no, what I'm you sorry. want me to tell you. No, I'm sorry. I just want to know something more practical. Like, um, the, why is davening and tefillah not practical? It's practical for me, but what what, what can I tell no, you? No, it's not it? practical for you. You want to change another person. That is not practical. I don't know any human that can change another person. Please share with me with someone that has the power to change. Can you right now change me and my beliefs of anything that I have? If I, I don't, if want, I don't want to. I just want to advise you. Yes, you do. Yes, you I do. You want her to go for help. That, that's change. It. That's change. You want her to see your view. That's cool change, by the way. Okay. What are you hearing? What advice? I don't know what advice you want again. I want to tell her, okay, therapy you don't want to do, so try maybe something else, an alternative. She, she really wants to get rid of the problem. I'm saying she's being Michal Shabbos for it. It's not, it's not easy on her. She wants to get rid of it. I'm not sure what you're saying. Let's try this again. I'm going to try it differently. Can you please teach me math right now? But I don't want to learn it. And please give me a simple way to teach it to me when I don't want to learn it. No, I can't. Why not? I don't have the skills. Oh, you know someone that does have the skill? Great. Tell me someone that has that skill. Please. I don't know. Do you know anyone that can teach me math when I'm telling you now I am not going to listen? No. So why not? Because you have to want to listen. You have to want to absorb. That's right. So now, what is in your power? Um, how about if she wants to change? She does want to change. She wants to... Okay, good. Go ahead. Finish the sentence. She does. She she tells me all the time. She's being, now not anymore as much, but she's being Michal Shabbos. She doesn't like it. She wants to change. So good. Watch this. I want to learn math. Teach me math, but in a way that I don't have to do anything to listen. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Come on. 
I, I just told you I want to learn math. Please, how can you be so mean and not help me? She really That's wants so to cruel. Oh, I'm asking mind. you to help me, and you're not helping me? I only want you to teach me math the way I want it. Two o'clock in the morning, I want to talk for three hours about everything but about math. Why can't you teach me? Because you don't want to learn. Oh, but I'm saying I want to learn. Huh? What's, why are we silent all of a sudden? I'm thinking. I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I, I don't believe it's like that. I think she really, really wants to change. I think she really well, wants to Well, then watch to, this. Wants... If someone really, really wants to change, then you go to a therapist that is, knows experience in that area. Let me ask you something. Will you go to a doctor because, not you, let's say a person's got chest pains, will they start going to a diamond cutter and asking the diamond cutter, I've got chest pains? Will they go to their math teacher? I'm having chest pains. Please help me and don't send me to a doctor. I don't no. like doctors. No, that would be ridiculous. Oh, well, that's exactly what you're doing. Remember, you start with the question. Your friend's got trichotillomania. It's pretty serious. She's sharing a lot of heavy emotions with you that you're stopping that. So there's a lot of emotional issues. Family's in denial. She doesn't want to speak to a therapist. So she wants to speak to a gardener. She wants to speak to a mathematician, just not to the person that actually has experience with that. And the person only wants to speak to you that's not licensed, that has no experience. Does that sound like someone wants to change? No, I guess not. I guess she's Good. She's now let's take it a step further. Change. Now you're asking me, so the person really doesn't want to change. They might be afraid of change. Remember, I want to do well on my math final, on my math regent, or as you guys have in, in England, the A-levels. But I don't want to study, and I don't want the mathematician to help me out or a teacher in math. I want someone that's going to talk about my feelings to teach me the math. Does that sound like someone that really wants to study? No, absolutely not. Now, now when you ask me what can I do to help someone, here is where we are maminim b'nei maminim, and you need to realize that davening tefillah really does work. Just the Rabbi Yishlam does it in a way that it has to be Bechira. means if we daven and Hashem gives us right away, He took away the Bechira. So many times we don't see the results. And many times Hashem says, I accept your tefillah. Just I will say that maybe to this lady, to this girl's children, your tefillah did help, but Hashem is in charge of the world. And maybe Hashem wants them to learn a different message. Mm-hmm. Um, can I, I? I hope I'm not just asking the question over and over. I, I'm just wondering if I can. Uh, the reason, I want you to know the way. reason why I'm spending so much time with you is not, not. I don't want you to feel that it's not that important. But we usually would give a couple of minutes question and then move on. I feel your question is so important. So many, many people have this issue where they're trying to help someone out of their league, where they believe that the person wants to change because they say the words, I want to change. But in reality, they never want to do the behaviors that's needed. Or they're not doing it in a healthy manner. And then the person like you that's not licensed, that doesn't have experience with people that say one thing, but their actions are another, or even if their actions, even if they're, they really do want to change, but they're not willing to invest their time or energy because of whatever disorder, the non-professionals like you might be caught up in the trap and continue helping them and actually making it much worse. 
So I'm what not, I'm, I'm spending the time I, with I, I you is for everyone else involved to hear and to realize the power of tefillah. That when you daven, Hashem, you might get much worse, but actually a davening is helping because once it gets worse, that's when the family wakes up that they need professional. Sometimes the professionals say it's so bad at this level that we even need medication. Maybe they would start now a therapist. The therapist says you need medication. They'll say no way. And then they'll say, you see, therapists can't help us. Sometimes the Rebbeinu your tefillah helps it to get that bad that when they're going to the therapist and the therapist says, you must take medication at this point, they'll take medication. Now it will help and now the therapy will help. We need to stop controlling Hashem and assuming what's the best way. Maybe your tefillah will help that she will get worse. As we call it, a yurido shehilat sayrach aliyah. It's a down. It's a heading down. This way she can get higher up quicker. What are you hearing now? Sorry? What is your question now? I, I just want to know in a more like abstract way, not um, in general. People that have trichotillomania, is the only remedy to it therapy? Is that what you're well, trying to do? Well, let me ask you something. You just used a diagnosable term. Huh? If it, you just used a diagnosable term. Right, so, so okay, fine. I guess I got the answer to that. Oh, good. What? That if it's, it's something diagnosable, then therapy is the only thing. Then you need someone that's a professional in that area. Yeah, okay. Mordechai. Yes. I want to Please say, first of, first, first of all, I would say that like this, uh, if somebody has an um, operation, you know, like out of, you know, out or something, this, what we're doing, we're praying. And all the research in the world just say that praying, helping, it's doesn't if they in the Jewish world or the Jewish world, it's helping. It's unbelievable help. You know, we are great believer Jerut Radio about Emuna and connection ourselves with with our the Creator Emuna Shulam. And really, if we take our series and not just and pray for ourselves, for our friend, for our families, and you see unbelievable results, unbelievable. And you can pray that your friend will be get, we get you know she will get the the, the opening to do see a, a therapist. She will have you know the power to go to face reality, something like this. You don't have you know, and it will be answer, and I'm I'm sure so. Right. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So what okay, are you hearing now? Can we just go back? What was your question? Can you help me out now, because I feel for everyone listening, what was your shift? What was your thought when you called? What awareness did you get? And that's different. I thought she really wanted to change, and you, you, and Rabbi Weinberg is going to tell me a different remedy, something else she could try. Um, but I'm hearing that I, I have the wrong perspective, and she obviously doesn't want to change if she doesn't want to go for the only remedy. That's right. Or maybe we could say she wants to change, but she isn't strong enough for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah, and also I, I, I got from this. I, I mm-hmm. should do more davening. That's right. And you can tell her those same words that I can oh. daven for you. But you need to do now your hishtadlus. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And I'd like Thank to remind everyone, so you're welcome. I'd like to share with everyone the number to call up. We've got now an availability to ask your question, and that is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Many people have sent their texts, 
but I would really like to take call-in questions. So again, 718-683-5858. Mrs. R. Mrs. R, you're on with Mordechai and her Rav Nissen. Rav Nissen, yeah, hello. Just Mrs. Yes, hi, Mrs. R. Go ahead. Um, firstly, I want to thank you for your phone line. I gained a lot of information and insight and everything else that comes along with it. I appreciate it a lot. Um, I feel like this information is not always so readily available until I got hold of your number, the 2011 number, and I'm like almost addicted. I keep listening. It's amazing. Thank so you, thank, thank you. you. That is the goal that we try to create an awareness to help Yisrael, and thank you. Thank you. So I also want to thank you for your parenting workshop. I'm actually in the middle of taking it, and it's unbelievable. It's hands-on, it's clear, it's informative. And um, family time that used to be something that was difficult became um, pleasant and exciting and enjoyable. Wow, thank you. Can you share with everyone listening what information, which part changed that being how family time is enjoyable and, you're en- and it's a pleasure? So basically, certain, certain parts of my mind that were totally like, I would say even underdeveloped as a parent now came to life. And I have so many more resources. Like I love the hierarchy. It brought so much clarity. Uh, first thing, my kid's misbehaving. Did he eat? Is he tired? And so on. And, and, and time Excellent. that was sometimes unfortunately dreaded is now so exciting. My child that was um, almost in therapy is now well-behaved and just making me proud. Excellent. Thank you. Exactly what we're discussing, that understanding and knowing what is normal, knowing ourselves, allowing room and space for us to be healthy and to allow normal process, as you're saying, did he eat, did he sleep, or did he, she sleep or eat? And the same is with teenagers. That's what we also discuss a lot about teenagers. This is normal. And us as well. Okay, good. So I have a question. My question yeah. is, when is fear in a child something that's going to pass and I should just, like, wait it out? And when is it something that points to anxiety and different kind of things and, like, it needs to be treated? The simple level is the word anxiety. If the word is stress and worry, those are not diagnosable words. Mm-hmm. But when we use the word anxiety, if it's a le- if it's clinical level of anxiety, that needs a professional. So, my my child is afraid. She's very very afraid of very many things that would have been normal to be again? afraid of. What? How old is your child? She's three. Three. That's normal for kids to be afraid. Yeah, I understand. Let's say water. Yeah, it's normal for a child to be afraid of water. So if she's afraid of the bathtub, fine. But if she's afraid of like a half an inch where um, her ankle sticking out of the water already, is that normal? And she's like, she's panting and she doesn't know what to do with herself. And the same goes with like baby swings. And with, yeah, um, let's be clear. Yes, it's normal. Yeah. yeah. Kids, yeah, because when they see the water, they might be hearing washing their hair. And they hate it. And it goes in their eyes. But it's not just that. It's many other things. 
that well, in that I case, then we go to the next step. We ask, do you or your husband have anxiety? I wouldn't say so. All right. So, again, I'm glad you're taking the thing workshop, but here, just n me knowing me, I would want to hear more what's going on. How do you respond? And what was your parents uh, regarding when it comes to kids having a little bit afraid? You see, I'm a little bit overprotective. That's the, that's the reason I'm asking so you the question. So why are you using really? the word overprotective instead of anxiety? Why, why, why don't those two go together? Because I'm not anxious. No, you're if not? If I would be anxious, I think I'd pay, uh, I don't know, the, the price to, to have her evaluated. That's not true. I just want to make that's sure, sure you hold on, that you just I'm made not, an like, assumption. resting Anxious has nothing peace. to do with that. I know people that don't go in cars. They're so anxious. They just still don't want to take steps to better themselves. I know women that are yelling and screaming. I know men that are tense and frustrated and yelling at everyone. They don't seek help. Anxiety, having a diagnosis or an issue, and we sometimes water it down, is what, is what we do. Now, I'm not saying you have that. All I'm saying is I would recommend, for the way you're asking the question, to speak one-on-one, -on -one, let's say, to a parenting expert. And they will reassure you, your kid's afraid, how to speak calm, it's okay. And for really for you to be okay with it. And I wonder what would happen if you'd speak to someone just three times and hear that everything about your kid's okay and normal. No one is saying you have anxiety, but we're saying is you might be too worried or too concerned, and your too worry and your too concerned might be affecting your child. Mm -hmm. But you Boy, that it's normal for her to be afraid of water. So what, what, what shifted? What changed now? What shifted is your way of describing how she's afraid. Because you know what happens when a mother isn't hypervigilant? Let me tell you how they share the question. You know, my daughter's afraid of water. If I put her in, she's really worried about the bath. She's petrified. Well, you know, okay, fine. So maybe put the water in a little, put her in, put lower water. Which part of the water is she afraid of? Is it just water? If she touches water outside, if she puts her hands in a pail of water, is she afraid of it? Is it because of the way we wash the hair? What happens about it? So their speaking is a calmer level. The way you started describing, there's so many other stuff that she has, and you're putting all this drama emotion into it, automatically my warning signs start going up. Then when you use the word you're overprotective, overprotective plus your drama, plus your kid, which is normal signs for kids at different stages not to like a bath or not to like the water. So that is why we shifted to parents. As you've taken from the parenting workshop, a huge percentage of what our children feel, and we're getting positive feedbacks probably, you know, 20 to 30 messages after almost each message or each time we've done questions and answers, how monumental shifts in the family happen just by the parents being more confident and clear. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not so sure. So all I'm telling you is I appreciate you taking my parenting workshop. I really do. And now I wonder if you can take either another parenting workshop where it's in person, where you can actually ask your questions in person, or maybe find out who is a parenting expert and just sit to them two, three sessions, because you have all the information and the knowledge. You just might need now that extra level, which my parenting workshop doesn't offer that. The extra level of what? Of one-on-one -on -one attention, guiding you. Mm-hmm. Literal guidance. I hear you. Yeah. Okay, maybe we should try that. Yeah. So I'm not saying you have anxiety. 
Um, definitely your kid does not have anxiety at three. There's definitely a power within you, the mother, that you can do it. Merit Hashem. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you take a minute to demonstrate how I should talk when she starts being very afraid? Absolutely not, because that takes a little build-up. I need to know what skills you did, and that's not the program right over here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Thank I appreciate you. it. Excellent. By the way, we just got a message that someone sent us with your daughter's issue or your son, whatever. I'm not sure what you said. It could be a sensory issue. I don't want to jump yet to sensory issues. I first would like to go to getting that one-on-one guidance. That's all. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we can jump to sensory and stuff like that. Rav what do you say? I think it's very normal. <laughs> the kid's three years old, it's afraid. And I don't see any, any pro-issue. And parenting will yeah, help you. I can- I have a two-year-old, or actually almost three. She loves the bath. The minute it comes to put shampoo in her hair, the screeches that go on, and it's Tati, save me and take me, and no shampoo and no shampoo and crying, and they're adorable. So it doesn't mean that she's got an anxiety. This is normal and age-appropriate, and your kid might know what's coming right when they put in the water. Mm-hmm. So if I believe I'm not an anxious parent, I use the word overprotective well, because I, not, like to, okay. I, mm-hmm. I like to take care of issues before they become major issues. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't okay. think I'm anxious. I don't think I'm um Great. I'm well, if that's like, the case, then have your child maybe evaluated. If you're not overanxious and you have all the skills that's necessary and your kid is acting in a way that is not appropriate, not age-appropriate, there are play therapy occupational therapist that can come and evaluate what's going on with your kid. And maybe your kid might have a sensory issue, might have some other issues. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you're doing everything right and your kid is still that way, then your kid needs some help. Mm-hmm. But you don't think as a three-year-old it's something that she's going to outgrow? Because I had with my older child also. He Let's was afraid and then he got over it. Just one area I said it's normal. You told me there are many areas. Like water and like slides and swings and doctors. <laughs> I want to tell you something. It seems like you're worried too much and it seems like you basically reflect it. And you, you, three-year-olds, you, exactly. Three-year-olds you, are normal to be afraid of swings. Three-year-olds are afraid to go to doctors because they know that they, got, they get shots. That's why many doctors have separate rooms for... Uh, or shots, or different nurses, or the PAs that give shots specifically for that reason. And kids are still smart to realize that that's the building where they get shots and they don't like to go. Mm-hmm. And you said yourself that you are basically worried, that you don't want to, to that you'll really accelerate, you know, later on. You already put yourself in, in, in a position, so worried, what will be? I would say that, uh, as we said to the other caller, first of all, praying and uh knows what he's doing with our kids and let it let it go a little bit mm-hmm. so if i told you everything is normal and kids outgrow them how would you feel really that's what i yeah. wanted to hear good now <laughs> okay. this is why you need to go one-on-one to a live person i'll do the parenting with you because you will have several times questions and if you could know that they're normal 
or sometimes if they're not, they'll be able to help you. That's all you need one-on-one. So there are times that you will have a question, and that's okay. You're allowed to have it. I'm not afraid of therapy. I'm okay. I'll do what I need to. You see, I I called up a question because I have the question. But you see, I'm giving you an answer that I still don't know. I didn't hear every Mm -hmm. issue that your kid has. I don't know your parenting skills, how you implement the stuff. And I don't know your history at all, which is what I would do if I was actually giving you one-on-one parenting. And I'd want to hear if your husband thinks you're too worried or you're too anxious about other stuff or nervous about other stuff that you think is normal. Mm-hmm. So this is what I would be doing if it was one-on-one, not telling you it's normal without seeing the whole story. What I'm saying is based on what you're saying, your kid is normal. However, based on your concern and your worry, that's my concern. Mm-hmm. Rav Nissen, now what did you want to say? That's exactly the point that I said. That uh, it sounds like uh, you you need a little bit more, you know, direct uh, instruction. And uh, I would say, you no, know, this everything sounds very, very normal. That you put yourself a little bit in in anxiety about your children or concern. Concern, okay. Yes. Exactly. Okay. A lot of food for thought. Exactly. That's it. it was, that's our goal, to create food for thought and an awareness. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome, I and thank you for taking it. the parenting workshop. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm very appreciate, appreciative of the whole thing. I really, uh, It's really like coming in useful, I would say. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate thank that. You. Great. And again, the number to call up is 718-683-5858. Mordechai, I know the time is flying, and uh, we want to discuss some, you know, the summer is coming, and we have uh, a lot of issues with, uh, you know, teenagers, basically with all of us, you know, just to, to create some awareness about many things that parents and teen, especially teenagers don't see it on the right proportion and uh, we start with uh, with the driving yep so let's go ahead and talk about this it's now summertime it is a time that a lot of people from many different areas get together and they're off of school or they want to sort of chill and they can be going up to the mountains. They could be just around the streets locally. They could be working. And now is a time that there's less structure. Parents might be away or other stuff are happening. And it's a time of looseness. And the danger of looseness is that when you've got adults in training, which that's what the teenagers are, you're adults in training, in the position of an adult, without the training, it gets very dangerous. So what happens is, if you've got several, let's say, adults in training, which they don't have supervision, and you now have one, let's call adult in training, that's unfortunately still a child, which means emotionally they're not making rational decisions, 
they're not thinking correctly, and they, get, they speak confident. They speak with certainty. There's no problem. Of course you can do this. And now those semi-adults in trainings, I mean, those adults in trainings that have learned some level of responsibility, now follow them. It is a very, very dangerous situation. So let's go ahead and take now an example. Driving in the mountains. The Rabbanim have made a unanimous request that you should not be driving unless you're 21 or 22 years old. I don't remember the exact age. That means you might get the license at 18. You might have, be a great driver at 19. You might be a great driver at 20. You might even be driving in Brooklyn, in the city, with your family, with your friends. That is one level. Then driving when you're with your friends' teenagers upstate, when the entire mood, the entire focus, the entire concept is looseness, playing, coming, going on those whiny turns, that for one second you're looking down to text Hasashalom, one second your friend is making a noise, your friend shouting, whoa! All of a sudden you look around and that whine happens, Hasashalom, that, that turn happens, it is dangerous. Every year there are tragedies, and they're avoidable tragedies. Sometimes I say that there are certain problems or emotional health that come straight from Hashem. But then there are certain man-made stresses, man-made diagnoses where we pressure ourselves with what type of wedding, how, which, which school our kids get into when they're all the best. When we're worried about our kids' little something, whatever it should be, we're, we're pressuring ourselves. The type of job our spouse has, our respect, you know, how big the name is on the shul that we've helped donate a little. Let's understand we're dealing with our children's lives here. And if you need to be assertive and take the license, do it the smart way. But do what you need to do to keep your child you know, we all we all understand that when you're sitting behind the wheel, and especially you have you have a nice car and like sports car or something like this, you're trying to this. The adrenaline is just pumping up, and you're basically with a new toys. And uh, I I see it every every day. We see it in the car in the street. This is and when it's involved also with with unfortunately with alcohol, and things that it's not a substance. The other substance. It's become a big issue. Unfortunately, these weeks we lost three kids from the community on on other stuff. Really, yeah. the awareness is as to be very, very careful. Parents, look where your kids, look where your kids doing. I don't know. You don't have to be, uh, po you know, kind of policeman or try to break the trust, build the trust, work with That's them, right. talk to them, explain them, show them. I'm telling you, it's something very important, very, very important. And I, I want you to know, parents, we can negotiate. We can negotiate with children. Negotiating doesn't mean we're giving in. Negotiating is telling your child, I love you so much. It is that important for me that you don't drive. I know you're responsible in Brooklyn, in Lakewood, whichever city you are, I allow you to drive. But the Rabbanim, and I use the word Rabbanim because I want to understand, people sometimes complain. Why are the Rabbanim saying something? I'd like us to be where the Rabbanim are saying. We're just choosing not to listen. We, the parents, know that 21 years old, teenager in the mountains, 
is a lot more responsible in the mountains than an 18-year-old. It's just reality. And let's respect what makes sense. And we know we're asking your teenager to do something, but as parents, I don't enjoy using the word negotiating. I mean, I like rather using a healthier term, we work it out. We tell them, I know you're sacrificing so much by not driving. I know many of your friends are driving, and I know you're going to sacrifice and sometimes even look like a fool that you didn't go with them when everyone went. I know some parents that don't have money, but they said, you know something, my son or my daughter, whenever they go with their car, take a car service, I will pay. Even if it will cost me $500, I will pay for that money. That's I'm showing you my commitment. I know two parents that have done it already with their children this year. Told them, here is an account with this and this car service upstate. Take it, just do not go with anyone under 21. And they even told them, I allow you to take friends along in the car and they don't have to chip in. You can be like the, this, you know, like the large one, the one that's wealthy, but please, if it's someone under 21, your friends are going, then go, with, go on my account. There are stuff when parents show, it's important to me and I'm willing to work it out with you and I'm doing it for you. That shows, A, the love to your child, and B, where you're showing I'm willing to also put some skin in the game, as it's called, show that I'm interested in something, that I'm, I'm willing to show how hard it is for me as well. Now, not every parent has to say it's unlimited. Some parents can say, I'll give you $40 a week for that, or whatever it should be. You know, I, I, would, say, I would say that uh, today I took my kids to the camp. You know, they went to the camp to be yeah. counselors. And... Uh, I was uh, driving and talk with them about it. And one of them told me, Abba, I know where you come from. That's what he told me. I know where you come from. And I believe that I will do it exactly with my children. And uh, thank you. That's yeah. it. And, and I know that if you build a trust, and the kids know, you know, teenagers are teenagers, they will break the laws, break the stuff. But when you're sincere with the issue, the importance in issues, if it's drugs, if it's alcohol, if it's driving, if it's things that you they know very well what is the situation. That's right. But I want to add on to Arab Nissen. And when they have a parent telling them, I respect you, I'll back you up, I know what. You might not be the popular one. You might even miss one evening and they'll have a great time. But if they know there's a parent that's behind them and loves them and cares for them and understands their pain but is willing to help them, they'll tell you as painful as hard as it is, but I did it. And reward them and thank them. Yeah, and our teen, you know, you, we hear them every time in the shows that questions like, like uh, you know, this shows that with these really teenagers, they're very smart, very intelligent, very responsible, you know, caring about. And yeah. sometimes, you know, we call it Wachstut, we said it's in Hebrew. Exactly. That coming here, and uh, we know the feeling, you know, we know feeling that adrenaline is starting pumping and you start, you know, doing it or taking yourself a little bit loose, cool, on the cool side. This is the dangerous situation. That's right. And I also like people to recognize there are many, many studies, and this is for teenagers, for those of you that are listening, that show, and they've used it all the time in the military prisons, where good, great, ethical, caring people 
when they were put in a position of, unfortunately, where certain people were doing bad stuff, hitting, hurting, doing things they would never do, but because others did it, they participated. And they had a lot of regret, but that's still the reality as to what happens. And that's what I'd like teenagers to recognize. If you're proactive, parents, if you can have this discussion with your kids ahead of time and you work out a plan with them how they won't do it and let them tell you what I gave up and instead of saying, oh, you're such a baby, you didn't go with your friends, you went out every night, so you did me a favor, it's for you the favor. No, don't do that. Validate, accept, appreciate. Your kid did a lot for you. Teenagers especially, their value is their friends. How many of us adults do we do things just because that's what people are doing? Let's realize teenagers aren't as old and mature as us, and for them it's going to be harder than it is for us. And let's appreciate it and thank them. And when you show them the appreciation, boy, do they show and see a difference. Yes, so I really appreciate this message. Wow. So again, those that would like to call, we're really sort of at the end of the program. Let's go ahead and take another question. Oh, we'll take a text just before Nissen comes back. Questions as follows. As an adult, how can I know if it's anxiety or fear? Very simple. Anxiety, the way we recognize almost any diagnosis is, if your issue is affecting your daily living or someone else's daily living. That means some people can have severe anxiety not driving a car or be worried about their kid's health and running to the doctor every day, and they could tell me, I don't care. I'm relaxed knowing that I go to the doctor every day. Maybe you are. But how do you think your husband or your wife feels? How do you think the kids feel when everything is also in hysterics? So it's not just if it affects your daily living, means if you can function as almost every healthy human at your age in your, in your position does, it's also does your issues affect others. If it's not affecting yours and it's not affecting others, then it's a fear and you want to work on it before it develops into a diagnosis. Once it's an official diagnosis, then it is a lot more. Then it's a lot longer to heal. I just want to share a message that someone sent, and that is, my mother believes that davening can get you what you want. If you didn't get it, then you didn't daven enough. Not letting go. Isn't that true? And to that, the answer is absolutely not. No one can force Hashem. If you daven and it happens right away, Baruch Hashem. If you daven and it doesn't happen right away, also Baruch Hashem. There's the famous tefillah that Shleim HaMelech davened when he built the Beis HaMikdash, it's in Navi, and the whole tefillah, but one part of the tefillah is that he davened that when a guy comes to the Beis HaMikdash and davens, Rabbi Shalom should listen to his tefillah. And Rashi and the Gemara brings down, so Rashi and Navi brings down the Gemara, that the Gemara explains that Shleim HaMelech said as follows, a Yid knows that the Rabbeinu Shleilam has his cheshbonus, why Hashem does what he does. And many times it's better for us if Hashem tells us a no. He said, however, a guy that doesn't have the level of Amuna that we do, doesn't have the deep understanding that we do, if he brings a carbon and it's not answered, then he might say there is no Hashem. 
So let's understand this concept. Nowhere in any safer will you find that when someone davened every single time of their life, they got it. Absolutely not. Not the Avais, not the Shvatim. Nowhere did that happen. Let's understand this concept. Our job is to daven. We cannot force Hashem. Otherwise, Lahavdul, you would be the second in command. Whatever you say happens. That's not how it works. And I want to say that every yeah. pray, every tefillah is is going register. We don't know the timing. We don't know where, when, if it's good for us. You know, this That's is that's right. I can tell you many times I daven for something. I hope for something. I was furious when it didn't happen. And later on, I saw how right Hashem is. That is the goal of Aminim B'nai Aminim. Doesn't mean I don't try now. Doesn't mean I don't daven and ask for something. But I need people to understand that. Those that try to control, they have such a frustrating life because they feel like this person said, they have to daven and they have to daven harder to get what they want. That's not how it works. So much pressure when it's that way. Now you like became the Hashem. You know what's right, you know what you want, and if you don't get it, you gotta push. It's not how it works. We're the humans. We're davening is called asking. It's a prayer. It's not a command. You know, we have the 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 in Ashrayashubitaha Ritzon Yirabiase and Shabatamishma Biotsim. You know, many times we're dubbing and we asking Hashem for things in the end, it's wrong for us. We get it. But the other said, it's Shavta Mishma Hashem. And they, they, then we said, Ah, Kadosh Bohu, why you did it to me? Why you did it? <laughs> and they said, you That's know, right. you see. Now there is a concept of this in the Svarim that Tzadik Gezev HaKadosh Baruch Hu Makayim that happens once, twice. It's talking about Yezev HaTzadik. Tzadikim in every generation Hashem gives Rabbanim a Koyach to give a Bracha. But everyone knows that the, the Brachas can't be Metzava Hashem. Doesn't command him. He's choosing to do it. And sometimes there's a siyat and it's right. But not that anyone can ever force Hashem to do anything. That takes away pure Bechira. That's anti-Yiddishkeit. Yes, we got to daven. As you said, yes, we know every tefillah gets saved for somewhere. Who knows? I, I, I've seen this many times. I am really so humbled, Rav Nissen. Let's say that Hashem allowed you to take me on this program now for many years. But I know many therapists out there that are excellent. And I thank Hashem that I have this host to be able to create this mental health awareness for hundreds and thousands of people all over the world. However, I don't believe really that it's in my schos. I know how my parents help people quietly. I know my grandparents after the Holocaust. My grandfather, which isn't alive today, my grandmother, an Auschwitz survivor, how after the war they had people in their house and one of them was affected by the war and tried killing my grandfather. Would pick up the knife on a Shabbos Suda and then they would run around the table. He calmed down. Now the whole affected by the war. For two weeks he wouldn't come to their house. He calmed down and then three weeks later he would come again. I really believe that the schus that I have, that I'm able to do this, is really in my parents, my grandparents' schusim. There are hundreds of from therapists out there. Hashem gave me this chos. I don't think I'm any different than anyone else. Let's realize that tefillahs of Hashem is answered. So it's just an important topic to bring up 
just an awareness. We got to Davin. We Davin. And I'm going back to the original caller of that teenage girl because we have that a lot where people call and asking, you know, what can I do? The person doesn't want to get help. And when I say Davening, I really mean it. I really mean learning. It should be a schos and Hashem will do what he's doing. We got to do our hashtadlis. You can speak to the person. Ask them to change. The minute they don't want to, you need to start doing the healthy boundaries of we'll only talk about health. But you can still dive into Hashem. And Hashem, at the right choice, at the right time, will choose whatever He chooses. And even if we daven for the wrong thing, Hashem will use the tefillah for some other time where it will be right. Yeah, no question. Uh, so, Ramadachai. Yes. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. And I would say that I wish all of, all of us a great summer. And yes. Bezat Hashem. Only Bezat Hashem. Uh, and there should safe. Be, everything should be protected, exactly safe. Our kids, both driving, both the environment, both with what others do. And on all other levels, which when they're around, they're out of schools, unfortunately, many times when there are unhealthy teenagers around, someone can introduce something, we've got to daven. And really daven for parents. We really should be putting in extra tefillahs now. Yes. We have the three weeks, we have the nine days during the summer. Each of these need to be... Um, extra tefillah. Extra tefillah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, have a great night. Thank you very much. Yeah.